Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash, and this is the weekend edition where we talk to people who are notable in the world of real estate investing, and today is no exception. But first, let's say a thank you to our sponsor. The Real Estate Espresso Podcast is brought to you by International Coffee Farms. Based in Boquete, Panama, International Coffee Farms owns and operates 10 specialty coffee farms. These farms are subdivided into half-acre parcels. These half-acre parcels can be purchased for as little as $18,000. Your land will be managed on your behalf and will be producing positive cash flow in perpetuity. I've gotten to know the principles of International Coffee Farms over the last several years, and they run a quality operation. Have a listen to episode 121 with CEO and founder, Mr. David Sewell, where we talk about investing in coffee farmland in a safe, diversified offshore investment. Find out more by visiting internationalcoffeefarms.com. That is internationalcoffeefarms.com. Welcome back. We have a special guest today. We have none other than the best-selling financial author of all time, Mr. Robert Kiyosaki. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Victor. I appreciate it. Robert, you're here as a speaker, but you're also here as an attendee. Talk to us a little bit about that. Why do you attend seminars, not just as a speaker? Well, as we all know, the world is changing much too rapidly to be dependent upon going to school. So the story of my rich dad and my poor dad, my poor dad was a head of education for Hawaii. He was a strong believer in going to school and getting a job. You know, he had a PhD. He, he went to schools like Stanford, University of Chicago, and Northwestern. But when he lost his job, he was functionally incompetent. He's a good man. And he lost his job because he stood up to a very corrupt government in Hawaii. You know, Forbes magazine calls Hawaii the People's Republic of Hawaii. It's, first, it's almost communist. There's not one, I'm not Republican or Democrat, but there's not one Republican in office in Hawaii because they're going fascist right away. But anyway, my poor dad always laughed at my rich dad, who was a multimillionaire, because he went to seminars. And my rich dad went to like, you know, Carnegie and those other, you know, motivational type things. And my dad laughed. He says, he goes to these seminars, but he doesn't get a college degree. He doesn't get an MBA or a PhD. And my rich dad said, I don't go for the PhD and the, and the, the alphabet soup. I go because that's where I touch the future. I've got to find out what's going on in the greatest advances in education and thought, even though it was wacky. So, simply said, my poor dad went to academic schools, that's why he's a PhD, which stands for poor, helpless, and desperate. And my rich dad went to seminars, and I've been going to seminars most of my life. This is my fifth real estate guys, uh, real estate guys summit at sea, and I come to talk, but I get to talk to some brilliant, brilliant forward thinkers. And I get to hang out on the cruise, you know, have dinner with them, talk to the participants and all this. So I'll say it again is the world's changing much too quickly to go to school today. So where you're going to find the information is at seminars where you want to learn from the guys who are really doing the real thing. See, most academics, like my poor dad, they're good people, but they don't do the real thing. Like my accounting teacher in the M my MBA program I asked him, I said, um, are you an accountant? He says, yeah, I have a master's in accountancy. I said, I didn't ask you if you had your college degree. I said, have you ever been an accountant? He goes, no. I said, well, how can you teach me? You know, and I was a marine pilot at the time. I was pretty belligerent. And he goes, um, well, I've got my master's degree in accounting. I said, how much accounting do you do? And I dropped out because this guy's a fake teacher. And at the same time, at the same you know, same time, same station, I was in Hawaii, this is 1973, 
I do a real estate investment course. And this guy was a real teacher. I mean, he was a real real estate investor. He had his he had his financial statements. He had his pictures of his properties, and he really talked from being real. He did it every single day. And so, I'm, what I'm saying is, our education is more important today, but our school system's obsolete. It's too slow, too little, too late. So I'm always at seminars going to what I need to learn, like the New Orleans Investment Seminar. I go to that. There's Freedom Fest. There's a Red Pill Expo put on by Edward Griffin, the guy who wrote The Creature from Jekyll Island. So I'm always looking for the latest kind of over-the-wall ideas because that's how you see the future. You know, one of the things I notice about this particular group, it, in many audiences, there are people that are just starting out, but there's a lot of people in the audience here that are every bit as qualified to be on stage that are just in the audience. And that's there's a collective wisdom here in the team that I've noticed. Now, one of the things about your organization is the strength of your team. I think about Tom Wheelwright, Ken McElroy. I mean, you've got some real bench strength. How did you pull that team together? Well, you know, everybody talks about team, but you go to school, you don't learn about team. You learn about being right. Whereas I went to military school. I went to a military academy, U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. The first lesson we learn at the academy is mission. The second thing we do is we go through school as a team. So they break us into sections of 20 people. You know, we eat, shower, breathe, go take classes together, dress alike, and all this. We learn to be apt. You know, every day as a team. So when somebody says, where'd you go? I went to Harvard. But they're taught to be the best. They're not taught to operate as a team. Because in, in Harvard, if you're a team member, you're cheating. You don't cooperate. And then I joined the U.S. Marine Corps because the Vietnam War was still on. And I was a pilot. And the difference between a civilian pilot and a military pilot is in civilian military and civilian flight school, you fly solo. You know, the big thing is, did you solo? But in military flight school, especially the U.S. Marines are part of the Navy, in the U.S. Navy flight school in Pensacola, Florida, graduation was flying in formation. So we had to learn with flights of four, sixes, you know, different formations, turn together, land together, take off together. And you haven't really, if you watch the Blue Angels or the Thunderbirds, that's the best of the best of formation pilots. And as they say in the military, you know, flying formation was bread and butter. Because, you know, I switched from uh, fixed wing propellers into helicopters. And when we came into an LZ, a zone, a hot zone in Vietnam, you don't go in solo. You go in with a minimum of six aircraft just so you, you come in together, you shoot together, you fly out together. You don't come in one by one so they can pick you off. And I think it, it is just in the mindset of going to regular school versus military school military school there's you know this is no i in team you know and at traditional schools there's an i in win i win but not we win so i'm very cautious of who my accountants are my attorneys my bookkeepers and all this do they play as a team or do they play as the a student i'm the smartest you know, so it really is who you do business with. Are they team players or are they a bunch of solo players? I, I love that. And it, it, I really see it in the way your team operates. You know, I've got to know Ken over the last several years and, and other members of the team. And, and I can see the cohesiveness. When you make decisions together, how do you do that? Is, is there a single leader? Is that yourself? Do you do it by consensus? Do you take a vote? How does that go? That's a very good question because as if you've been in business, a real business, not like these fake business teachers at the colleges, 
a real business is is you know, at minimum you have a bookkeeper. And I, I know I'm talking to an amateur when I say, who does your books? Oh, my wife does my books. I say, yeah, you know, I'm, bye, I'm not going to talk to you any longer because you're an amateur. They want to save money. You've got to have a professional bookkeeper. The professional bookkeeper then sends the numbers to the accountant and the attorney. Now, traditionally, accountants and attorneys fight. So my accountant and my attorney, they teach together. You know, we travel the world, you know, uh, Tom Wheelwright and Garrett Sutton, who's my attorney, they teach together as accountant and attorney. And then there's Ken McElroy, who's my debt guy, because you have to, you know, you have to have debt. So when I go and apply for, let's say, a $26 million loan, I go as a team. You know, so my accountant answers the question, the attorney answers the question, and the guys like Kenny has, answers the question. I just have a great team, so I don't have to be the smartest guy. And when I talk to small developers, small investors, they are the team. You know, they might have a one partner, but they're both real estate guys. One's not an accountant, one's not an attorney. You know what I mean? And so they have, they're not even the same discipline of accountant and attorney and debt. I mean, you gotta have a team. And my bookkeeper, my God. You know, I can't do my numbers. I, I, I'd be bald by now trying to do my numbers because what happens is the numbers are so emotional. You know, it really hurts to see money going out. You see something. So it's somebody who is a bookkeeper professional, and I pay them a lot of money. They assemble my numbers so that my banker, my accountant, my attorney, and Kenny can look at it to make sure we have correct numbers because numbers tell the story. Well, I love the wisdom, Robert. Always great to see you again, and I'm looking forward to spending the rest of the week. Uh, you're getting off in uh, Puerto Rico, right? Yeah, I'm on my way. My, uh, my roommate from Vietnam became a lieutenant general. Uh, I mean, I'm a Marine lieutenant general. That is, that you got to do something for that. And he was more screw up than I was, but he still made it. And then he became a congressman from uh, North Michigan. So we're going to go visit him as a pilot's reunion in... Uh, Washington D.C. and he's going to take us through the halls of Congress. You know, so that's what, that's why I have to get off the boat in Puerto Rico. Oh, how lovely! Well, that's that's awesome. Well, Robert, great spending time with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's always enjoyable to talk to you, Victor. Thank you. Thank you. That brings to a close another episode of the weekend edition of the Real Estate Espresso Podcast. In the meantime, have a spectacular rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.